chapter thirty three of young people's treasury volume six famous travels and adventures by hamilton wright maybe this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by betty b the ride to kiva by frederick g burnaby having once resolved to go to central asia the next question was how to execute my intention and on returning to england from africa i eagerly read every book that could be found and which seemed likely to give any information about the country which i proposed to visit van Berry's travels abbott's from herat to kiva and mcgahan's campaigning on the oxus were each in turn studied and judging by the difficulties that the gallant correspondent of the new york herald had to overcome before he carried his project of reaching kiva into execution i felt convinced that the task i had laid out for myself was anything but an easy one the time of year in which i should have to attempt the journey was another obstacle to the undertaking for my leave of absence from my regiment would not begin until december i had already in previous journeys through russia discovered what the term cold really means in that country and judging from the weather experienced by captain abbott when travelling in the month of march in a latitude a good deal to the south of that which seemed to me the most practicable i felt convinced that careful preparations must be made for a ride through the steppes in midwinter or that i should inevitably be frozen the cold of the kirghiz desert is a thing unknown i believe in any other part of the world or even in the arctic region an enormous expanse of flat country extending for hundreds of miles and devoid of everything save snow and salt lakes and here and there sac savol a species of bramble tree would have to be traversed on horseback ere kiva could be reached the winds in those parts of asia are unknown to the inhabitants of europe who when they grumble at the so-called east wind can little imagine what that wind is like in those countries which lie exposed to the full fury of its first onslaught for there you meet with no warm ocean to mollify its rigor no tree no rising land no hills or mountains to check it in its course and it blows on uninterruptedly over a vast snow and salt-covered track until absorbing the saline matter it cuts the faces of those exposed to its gusts with a sensation more like the application of the edge of a razor than anything else to which it can be likened there was beside this something else to be taken into consideration i was well aware that no assistance could be expected from the russian authorities who might not content themselves by indirectly throwing obstacles in my way but might even stop me by sheer force if they found all others fail the account of the prohibitory order which i had seen published in the pall mall gazette was i had every reason to believe correct and should i not find after crossing the ural river and entering asia that my long sleigh journey had been all to no purpose and have to retrace my steps through european russia these were my first impressions on arriving in england but on talking the matter over with some russians of my acquaintance they assured me that i was entirely mistaken that on the contrary the authorities of st petersburg would readily permit english officers to travel in central asia and it was observed that the order to which i had alluded referred only to merchants or people who tried to smuggle contraband goods into the recently annexed khanates 
a few months later i had the honor of making the acquaintance of his excellency count shuvalov the russian ambassador in london and formerly the head of the secret police at st petersburg he was excessively kind and promised to do what he could to further my plans but in answer to a straightforward question as to whether i should be permitted to travel in russian asia or not his reply was my dear sir that is a subject about which i cannot give you any answer but on arriving at st petersburg the authorities there will be able to afford you every possible information it was a diplomatic answer one which bound the count to nothing and i went away charmed with the tact and affability of the russian ambassador apparently there was nothing to be learned officially from russian sources but unofficially one by one many little bits of information crept out i now learned that general milutin the minister of war at st petersburg was personally very opposed to the idea of an english officer travelling in central asia particularly in that part which lies between the boundaries of british india and russia according to him a russian traveller a mr Pacino, had not been well treated by the authorities in india and this gentleman had not been permitted to enter afghanistan and in consequence general Militin did not see why he should allow an englishman to do what was denied to a russian subject another peculiarity which i remarked in several russians whose acquaintance i had at that time the honour of making it may here be not out of place to mention this was their desire to impress upon my mind the great advantage it would be for england to have a civilized neighbour like russia on her indian frontier and when i did not take the trouble to dissent from their views for it is a waste of breath to argue with russians about this question how eager they were for me to impress their line of thought upon the circle of people with whom i was the more immediately connected of course the arguments brought forward were based upon purely philanthropic motives upon christianity and civilization they said that the two great powers ought to go together hand in glove that there ought to be railways all through asia formed by anglo-russian companies that russia and england had every sympathy in common which should unite them that they both hated germany and loved france that england and russia could conquer the world and so on it was a line of reasoning delightfully russian though i was not so rude as to differ from my would-be persuaders and lent an attentive ear to all their eloquence i could not help thinking that the mutual sympathy between england and germany is much greater than that between england and russia that the greek faith as practised by the lower orders in russia is pure paganism in comparison with the protestant religion which exists in prussia and great britain that germany and great britain are natural allies against russia or any other power aggressively disposed toward them that germans and englishmen who are well acquainted with russia understand by the term russian civilization something diametrically opposite to what is attributed to it by those people who form their ideas of muscovite progress from the few russians whom they meet abroad and that the honduras railway would be a paying concern to its english shareholders in comparison with an anglo-russian line to be constructed in central asia with english capital and russian directors the time was wearing on november was drawing to a close my leave of absence would begin on the first day of the following month and on that day i must begin my travels preparations were rapidly made under the advice of captain allen young 
of arctic fame i ordered a huge waterproof and consequently airproof bag of prepared sailcloth the bag was seven feet and a half long and ten feet around a large aperture was left on one side and the traveller could thus take up his quarters inside and sleep well protected from the cold winds the bag would also be useful in many other ways and i found it of great convenience for every other person save the one for which it was originally intended the manufacturer not calculating on the enormous dimensions an individual assumes when enveloped in furs had not made the aperture large enough and the consequence was that the difficulties when i attempted to take a header into the recess of my sleeping apartment were almost insurmountable and only on one occasion and when clad somewhat more lightly than usual i succeeded in effecting an entrance four pairs of the thickest scotch fishing stockings were also ordered and jerseys and flannel shirts of a texture to which people in this country are but little accustomed then came a suit of clothes made by messrs kinney of regent street and in which they assured me it would be impossible to feel cold the clothes i must admit were exceptionally well made and well suited to be worn under a sheepskin attire but i cannot wish my worst enemy a greater punishment than forcing him to sleep out on the steps in winter time with cloth attire no matter how thick fur or skins of some kind must be worn or without this precaution the traveller should he once close his eyes will undergo a great risk of never opening them again two pairs of boots lined with fur were also taken and for physic with which it is as well to be supplied when travelling in out-of-the-way places some quinine and cockles pills the latter a most invaluable medicine and one which i have used on the natives of central africa with the greatest possible success in fact the marvellous effects produced upon the mind and body of an arab sheikh who was impervious to all native medicines when i administered to him five cockles pills will never fade from my memory and a friend of mine who passed through the same district many months afterward informed me that my fame as a medicine man had not died out but that the marvellous cure was even then a theme of conversation in the bazaar so far as i could learn from the books which related to central asia there would be but little game and nothing particular in the shape of sport so i determined not to take a rifle when the cartridges would have considerably added to the weight of my luggage the prime object being to travel as light as possible however as it was well to have some sort of gun in the event of falling in with wild fowl which i had been told abounded in some places i took a favorite old number twelve small bore and some cartridges made up with number five shot and ball in the event of falling in with any bears or wolves while a regulation revolver with about twenty cartridges made up my defensive arsenal in the event of an attack from the turkomans the next thing to be thought of was a cooking apparatus and if i had taken the advice of many kind friends i should have travelled with a battery de cuisine sufficient for the wants of mr sawyer himself but canteens could not be thought of for a moment on account of the extra weight so i limited myself to two soldiers mess tins and admirable little utensils that are too whether for cooking over a spirit lamp or on a fire and far superior to any of the more costly and cumbersome articles especially invented to get out of order and perplex the traveller a trooper's hold-all 
with the accompanying knife fork and spoon completed my kit and with the thermometer barometer and pocket sexton by way of instruments i was ready to start even this amount of luggage was much more than was desirable and when placing the baggage for my journey consisting of the sleeping sack a pair of saddle bags railway bag and gun into the scales i found that it weighed exactly eighty five pounds an officer in the foot guards my friend k wished very much to accompany me in my journey and he would have been a most cheery and agreeable companion as he was accustomed to travel and capable of roughing it to any amount but as he was ignorant of russian and by this time i was thoroughly aware of the difficulties that would most likely be thrown in my way and of the little chance i had of getting to kiva alone i was compelled at the last moment with great reluctance to decline his proposal on the track again but this time alone in my apartment till i was joined by an official whose business it was to inspect the line between moscow and Ryayan. his chief object was to find out if any unnecessary delays took place at the different stations on this railway a number of complaints having been lately made about the unpunctuality of the trains it was supposed to be the station-master's fault and that these officials being slack in the performance of their duties were the main cause of the delay i could easily find them out remarked the inspector if it were not for the confounded telegraph but that beats me for the rogues are all in collusion the one with the other and as soon as ever they see me on the platform they telegraph the intelligence to their brethren down the line it appeared that there used formerly to be a great deal of fraud committed on the railway companies in russia by the guards of the trains who would ask a passenger when about to take his ticket at the booking office what class are you going by if by the first or second the guard would say take a third class ticket give me a few roubles and i will let you go first class as i am guard of the train by which you will travel but according to the inspector this system of roguery has now been put down and the result is a better return on the railway capital although up to the present time the lines have been anything but remunerative to investors from the inspector i found out that i ought to have taken my ticket to Sizerin, which was the terminus of the line in the direction of orenburg but that it was too late now to pay the difference and that i must wait till we arrived at penza when i should just have time to get a new ticket and relabel my luggage it was a bitter cold night in spite of all our furs and at riayan where it was necessary to wait an hour and to change trains a fellow traveller a russian nobleman who had got into the carriage at an intermediate station was very indignant with the stoker whose business it was to keep up the fire and repeatedly called him the son of an animal the culprit trembling and crying out as if he were under the lash of a whip it will take a good many years thoroughly to eliminate the old spirit of serfdom in russia although the law has long ceased to exist and the men who have been brought up as slaves find it difficult to get rid of a feeling of awe when they are in the presence of their superiors perhaps it is as well that things follow on in this groove for it would be a bitter day for russia should the socialistic and nihilistic tendencies which are being developed in her larger towns become extended amidst her rural population at the present moment the love for the emperor predominates over every feeling but one amidst the peasantry and this devotion to their father as he is termed is well deserved for the emperor alexander underwent 
an enormous personal risk when at one stroke of the pen he did away with slavery in his dominions it was a step which required great moral courage on the part of its originator and few emperors would have risked mortally offending the upper classes of the country even to do an act of justice to the lower probably the only influence which could be brought to bear upon a peasant's mind to such an extent that i believe it would counterbalance his affection for the czar is the religious one in perhaps no country in the world has this element so powerful a sway as in russia in religion coupled with superstition lay a power which could even thwart the wishes of the emperor nicholas himself and the ecclesiastical hierarchy is certainly more powerful than the czar hitherto the two dominant influences have gone hand in glove together and it is as well that it should be so for any rupture between them would inevitably lead to a revolution in the waiting-room at Ryashk, waiters were hurrying about with glasses of scalding tea which were eagerly called for by the traveller in fact the amount of this beverage that a russian can drink is somewhat astonishing to the stranger and the traditional washerwoman of our country whose capabilities in this respect are supposed to be unrivalled would have no chance whatever if pitted against a subject of the czar a large samovar a brass urn stood on the refreshment table the water being kept to boiling point not by a funnel as in england but by a funnel which fitted into the centre of the urn and was filled with red-hot charcoal economy was evidently the order of the day with some of the travellers for instead of putting the sugar into their glasses they would take a lump in their mouths and thus sweeten the scalding draught i took advantage of our delay at riage and walked through the other waiting-rooms these were crammed with third-class passengers it was a strange sight to see the mixture of different nationalities which huddled together like sheep lay in different attitudes on the floor here a tartar merchant his head covered with a small yellow fez while a long party-coloured gown and a pair of high boots completed his attire was fast asleep in a corner a woman her face covered with a thick white veil lay folded in his arms while a child enveloped in a bundle of rags was playing with the fur cap of its parent next to them a man whose peculiarly shaped nose showed a distinct relationship to the tribe of israel was breathing hard through his nasal organ from time to time he clutched convulsively at a small leather bag which half hidden beneath a greasy-looking black coat was even in his dreams a source of anxiety peasants in every posture their well-knit frames clad in untanned leather which was tightly girt about their loins with narrow leather belts studded with buttons of brass and silver re-echoed the hebrew's melody an old bakharan in flowing robes sat listlessly with his legs twisted up under him beside the stove he appeared to be under the influence of opium and was possibly dreaming of celestial houris and bliss to come while a smart-looking lad perhaps his son judging from the likeness between them had withdrawn a little from the rest of the throng apparently not very well pleased by his vicinity to the russian peasants the mohammedans of central asia have certainly one great advantage over the muzhik and that is their love for water indeed if the russian peasant could only be persuaded to be a little more particular in his ablutions it would be conducive if not to his own comfort at least to that of his fellow-travellers superstition and dirt are twin brothers in russia 
and i have frequently observed that the more particular a peasant is in his adoration of the various idols obradis which are prominently displayed on the threshold of every cottage the more utterly he is forgetful of the advantages of soap and water at penza i had barely time to secure another ticket to Cizeran, where my railway travelling would terminate and presently found myself in a large saloon carriage here almost every seat was taken and the porters had piled upon them some railway bags and parcels belonging to passengers travelling in another carriage these articles had been put in while the owners were in the waiting-room the object being to diminish the length of the train this was attained but at the cost of considerable discomfort to the travellers who were eagerly searching for their lost property by the dim light of a smoky tallow dip in the course of conversation with one of the party a tall and very stout middle-aged man i discovered that my shortest route to orenburg would be through samara he said that he was going to the last mentioned town and proposed that we should hire a troika a three-horse sleigh and travel together i readily embraced the offer when after a few hours more travelling we stepped out on the platform of the station at Cizeran. here my companion was evidently well known for the railway officials and porters respectfully saluted him and hastened to bring our luggage to the waiting-room i must say that i was surprised to find so good a refreshment room so far from the capital as with but very short halts for the purpose of changing trains we had been travelling for more than sixty hours and all this time in the direction of asia on nearing which you expect at each stride to leave civilization farther and farther in your wake but the buffet at Cizeran left nothing to be desired and in a very short time as good a breakfast was supplied as could be obtained in any french restaurant we now had to think over the preparations for our sleigh journey and after a little bargaining my companion made arrangements with a farmer in the neighbourhood to supply us with a sleigh and relays of horses as far as samara the distance is about eighty-five miles and there is no regular government postal station between the two towns you had better put on plenty of clothes was the friendly caution i received from my companion as i entered the dressing-room for the thermometer marks twenty degrees below zero rumour and there is a wind people in this country who have never experienced a russian winter have little idea of the difference even a slight breeze makes when the mercury stands low in the thermometer for the wind then cuts through you furs and all and penetrates to the very bones determining to be on my guard against the frost i dressed myself as i thought as warmly as possible and so as to be utterly impervious to the elements first came three pairs of the thickest stockings drawn up high above the knee and over them a pair of fur-lined low shoes which in their turn were inserted into leather galoshes my limbs being finally deposited in a pair of enormous cloth boots the latter reaching up to the thigh previously i had put on some extra thick drawers and a pair of trousers the astonishment of the foreman of messrs kind's establishment lord love you sir being his remark when i tried them on no cold can get through them trousers anyhow i must confess that i rather chuckled as my legs assumed herculean proportions and i thought that i should have a good laugh at the wind no matter how cutting it might be but aeolus had the laugh on his side before the journey was over a heavy flannel undershirt and shirt covered by a thick wadded waistcoat and coat encased my body 
which was further enveloped in a huge shuba or fur pelisse reaching to the heels while my head was protected by a fur cap and vaslik a sort of cloth headpiece of a conical shape made to cover the cap and having two long ends which tie round the throat being thus accoutred in all my armour i sallied forth to join my companion who an enormous man naturally now seemed the very colossus of roads in his own winter attire how people would have laughed if they could have seen us in piccadilly in our costumes i think you will do said my friend scanning me well over but you will find your feet get very cold for all that it takes a day or so to get used to this sleigh travelling and though i am only going a little beyond samara i shall be uncommonly glad when my journey is over he was buckling on his revolver and as we were informed that there were a great many wolves in the neighbourhood i tried to do the same but this was an impossibility the man who made the belt had never foreseen the gigantic proportions my waist would assume when clad in this russian garb i was obliged to give it up in despair and contented myself by strapping the weapon outside my saddle-bags for provisions for possibly a thirty-six hours journey and as nothing could be bought to eat on the road i provided myself with some cutlets and chicken which fitted capitally into the mess tins while my companion agreed to furnish the tea and bread the former an article without which no true russian will ever travel he had not much baggage with him and my own was reduced to as little as possible but we soon discovered that it was impossible to stow away the luggage in the first sleigh that had been brought for our inspection for when my railway bag saddle-bags cartridge-box gun and sleeping-sack had been put inside and were well covered with straw i essayed to sit upon them but found that there was too little distance from the improvised seat to the roof and my back was nearly bent double in consequence bring out another sleigh said my friend how the wind cuts does it not he continued as the breeze whistling against our bodies made itself felt in spite of all the precautions we had taken the vehicle now brought was broader and more commodious than the previous one which somewhat in the shape of a coffin seemed specially designed so as to torture the occupants particularly if like my companion and self they should happen to be endowed by nature with that curse during a sleigh journey however desirable appendages they may be when in a crowd long legs three horses abreast their coats white with pendant icicles and hoarfrost were harnessed to the sleigh the centre animal was in the shafts and had his head fastened to a huge wooden head collar bright with various colours from the summit of the head collar was suspended a bell while the two outside horses were harnessed by cord traces to splinter bars attached to the sides of the sleigh the object of all this is to make the animal in the middle trot at a brisk pace while his two companions gallop their necks arched round in a direction opposite to the horse in the centre this poor beast's head being tightly reined up to the head collar a well-turned-out troika with three really good horses which get over the ground at the rate of twelve miles an hour is a pretty sight to witness particularly if the team has been properly trained and the outside animals never attempt to break into a trot while the one in the shafts steps forward with high action but the constrained position in which the horses are kept must be highly uncomfortable to them 
and one not calculated to enable a driver to get as much pace out of his animals as they could give him if harnessed in another manner off we went at a brisk pace the bell dangling from our horse's head collar and jingling merrily at every stride of the team the sun rose high in the heavens it was a bright and glorious morning in spite of the intense cold and the amount of oxygen we inhaled was enough to elevate the spirits of the most dyspeptic of mankind presently after descending a slight declivity our yehu turned sharply to the right then came a scramble and a succession of jolts and jerks as we slid down a steep bank and we found ourselves on what appeared to be a broad high road here the sight of many masts and shipping which bound in by the iron fetters of a relentless winter would remain embedded in the ice till the ensuing spring showed me that we were on the volga it was an animated spectacle this frozen highway thronged with peasants who strode beside their sledges which were bringing cotton and other goods from orenburg to the railway now a smart troika would dash by us its driver shouting as he passed when our yehu stimulating his steeds by loud cries and frequent applications of the whip would vainly strive to overtake his brother coachman old and young alike seemed like octogenarians their short thick beards and moustaches being white as hoarfrost from the congealed breath according to all accounts the river had not been long frozen until very recently steamers laden with corn from southern russia had plied between Sizeran and samara the price of corn is here forty kopecks the pood of forty pounds while the same quantity at samara could be purchased for eighteen kopecks an iron bridge was being constructed a little farther down the volga here the railroad was to pass and it was said that in two years time there would be railway communication not only between samara and the capital but even as far as orenburg presently the scenery became very picturesque as we raced over the glistening surface which flashed like a burnished cuirass beneath the rays of the rising sun now we approach a spot where seemingly the waters from some violent blast or other had been in a state of foam and commotion when a stern frost transformed them into a solid mass pillars and blocks of the shining and hardened element were seen modelled into a thousand quaint and grotesque patterns here a fountain perfectly formed with ionic and doric columns was reflecting a thousand prismatic hues from the diamond-like stalactites which had attached themselves to its crest there a huge obelisk which if of stone might have come from ancient thebes lay half buried beneath a pile of fleecy snow farther on we came to what might have been a roman temple or vast hall in the palace of a caesar where many half-hidden pillars and monuments erected their tapering summits above the piles of the debris the wind had done in that northern latitude what had been performed by some violent pre-adamite agency in the berber desert take away the ebon blackness of the stony masses which had been cast forth from the bowels of the earth and replace them on a smaller scale by the crystal forms i have faintly attempted to describe and the resemblance would be striking we were now fast nearing kiva which could be just discerned in the distance but was hidden to a certain extent by a narrow belt of tall graceful trees however some richly painted minarets and high domes of colored tiles could be seen towering above the leafy groves 
orchards surrounded by walls eight and ten feet high continually met the gaze and avenues of mulberry trees studded the landscape in all directions the two kievans rode first i followed having put on my black fur pelisse instead of the sheepskin garment so as to present a more respectable appearance on entering the city nazar who was mounted on the horse that stumbled brought up the rear he had desired the camel driver to follow in the distance with the messenger and the caravan my servant being of opinion that the number of our animals was not sufficient to impress deeply the kievans with my importance and that on this occasion it was better to ride in without any caravan than with the small one i possessed we now entered the city which is of oblong form and surrounded by two walls the outer one is about fifty feet high its basement is constructed of baked bricks the upper part being built of dried clay this forms the first line of defence and completely encircles the town which is about a quarter of a mile within the wall four high wooden gates clamped with iron barred the approach from the north south east and west while the walls themselves were in many places out of repair the town itself is surrounded by a second wall not quite so high as the one just described and with a dry ditch which is now half filled with ruined debris the slope which leads from the wall to the trench had been used as a cemetery and hundreds of sepulchres and tombs were scattered along some undulating ground just within the city the space between the first and second walls is used as a market-place where cattle horses sheep and camels are sold and where a number of carts were standing filled with corn and grass here an ominous-looking cross-beam had been erected towering high above the heads of the people with its bare gaunt poles this was the gallows on which all people convicted of theft are executed murderers being put to death in a different manner having their throats cut from ear to ear in the same way that sheep are killed this punishment is carried out by the side of a large hole in the ground not far from the principal street in the centre of the town but i must here remark that the many cruelties stated to have been perpetrated by the present khan previous to the capture of his city did not take place indeed they existed only in the fertile muscovite imagination which was eager to find an excuse for the appropriation of a neighbor's property on the contrary capital punishment was inflicted only when the laws had been infringed and there is no instance of the khan having arbitrarily put any one to death the two walls above mentioned appear to have made up the defences of the city which was also armed with sixteen guns these however proved practically useless against the russians as the garrison fired only solid shot not being provided with shell the khan seemed to have made no use whatever of the many enclosed gardens in the vicinity of the city during the russian advance as if he had and firmly contested each yard of soil i much doubt whether the czar's troops could have ever entered the city it is difficult to estimate the population of an oriental city by simply riding around its walls so many houses are uninhabited and others again are densely packed with inhabitants however i should say as a mere guess that there are about twenty-five thousand human beings within the walls of kiva the streets are broad and clean while the houses belonging to the richer inhabitants are built of highly polished bricks and colored tiles which lend a cheerful aspect to the otherwise somewhat sombre color 
of the surroundings there are nine schools the largest which contains one hundred and thirty people was built by the father of the present khan these buildings are all constructed with high colored domes and are ornamented with frescoes and arabesque work the bright aspect of the cupolas first attracting the stranger's attention on his nearing the city End of chapter 33